Hello there. Welcome to the Meaningful Media Podcast from Habas Media Network. We're back, recording in front of a very special live audience at the Habas Cafe in Cannes. Joining me on stage for this recording are two very special guests who I'm super thrilled could join us. I will introduce to you all in a moment. But first, some context for this, our first episode from the Habas Cafe this week. What do you think when you hear the term social commerce? Have you bought something from a live stream or through a product link in a creator's video? Have you perhaps browsed a creator's store on TikTok and been tempted by that gorgeous pink cherry lipstick you saw them showcase? Well, according to research from Habas Media Network released earlier this year, if you're a millennial or Gen Z, then nearly 70% of you have already done just this. You've engaged in social commerce. Social commerce is a paradigm shift in the way we buy, and it's big business. A two-hour live shopping event on TikTok brings in more than a week's worth of sales at a flagship store. On Shoppable Ads, TikTok's own research shows users are primed and ready for social commerce. They're 50% more likely to buy on the platform than anywhere else. Some analysts are actually predicting that social commerce will account for over 10% of all e-commerce in the US by 2025. What's powering this growth? Well, social commerce isn't just APIs and ad formats and smart integrations with product catalogs and frictionless checkout. Those are all an incredible foundation that runs this experience, but it's so much more. It's content, connections with creators, and it's often deeply personal to fans and shoppers. Social commerce is a media experience, and it's one we need to explore. So I am beyond pumped to be introducing two incredible guests to help us just do that. Sandy Hawkins, General Manager of US e-commerce at TikTok, one of the first TikTokers in the US. Uh, She formerly led the ad business and is the expert on media on TikTok. Introducing brilliant creator Hina. Hina has over 1.7 million followers on TikTok. They're a digital creator focused on creating fashion, humor, and styling content that holds a hilarious lens to the queer community and helps those of us seeking to understand and explore non-binary identities. They've partnered with Spotify, Kate Spade, and Rent the Runway. We are beyond delighted to have you here at the cafe. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for So first, let's get some definitions. Sandy, how do you define social commerce? I gave you to go then, but you're the, you're the pro. Uh, well, Ben, I think that social commerce tends to be defined because it started on social platforms. And what I think social commerce is really about is about getting recommendations for, from your community. So if you have a creator speaking to you and they're giving you a recommendation, they're talking about a product, you're more likely to listen to them. One of the things that we want to talk about is that Social commerce isn't really, it's just not the social aspect from a platform perspective, but it's social because it's personal to you. And I think you mentioned that in your opening, Ben, which is it is about personal commerce. It's about finding products that you love, products that you see, and it's based off of your interests. And at TikTok, we've seen this taking place over the past few years with a hashtag TikTok maybe buy it that has over 59 billion video views. People are finding products that they love. It's part of a community and they want to then buy it and purchase it. And it's really because of that participatory nature where you have people that are finding great products and then they're purchasing it is why we're bringing commerce to TikTok right now. Fantastic. And and we've touched on some of those ways of doing commerce, but the the connection here is through that content. The connection is through the creator. And we're lucky to have an amazing creator with us today to unpack some of that. 
So Hina creates the fundamentals of this format and this growth. As a creator, can you ground us and talk us through your journey and the importance of your community? Yeah, absolutely. So I started on TikTok um, as an education creator because I have an obsession with languages and I was obsessed with teaching myself languages. I couldn't wait to tell people how I learned languages. It was a passion of mine. And then eventually um, I ended up on the gay side of TikTok, evidently. I mean, obviously I'm a gay person, so TikTok, it knows what you like. What can I say? And so um, I ended up on that side of TikTok and I was like, you know, I want to be funny. I want to have community because I was going to the comment section. I was seeing all these queer creators with other queer people in the comments. And I was like, I want those people because the people in my comments only want to learn how, how to speak German. And I'm like, I want more. I want community. So I started making funny videos about being a queer person online. And then voila, here we are. And um, I built a following really quickly based on the essence of community and kind of to speak on like the commerce part of it and like why that works so well from a creator's perspective is because with um, with creators, the community that you build, not only are you building a community, but you're also building rapport and credibility within that community. So if you are co-signing a brand and saying, hey, this brand is great and you've had that relationship, because what's really interesting about TikTok is as a social media platform, you're building a parasocial relationship in a way that no other social media platform has done, in my opinion, where you're seeing this person on your free page all the time. You're seeing them, you're engaging with them. This person feels like your friend. So when your friend is like, hey, bestie, like, do you want this product? It feels different than, you know, any other social media platform that was its predecessor. So you mentioned a phrase there, parasocial relationship, which I, yeah. I think is really helpful. Can you can you explain that? Yeah, so I don't have a dictionary out, but if I had to define it, I would say parasocial relationships are basically where you feel just through seeing um, someone online, um, specifically over and over and over again, you kind of develop this, it's, it feels like a friendship. It's kind of hard to explain where it's like, you know, everyone's been following a certain person for years on years and years, and you're seeing like they're updating you with their life. They're like, I'm dating this person. I have a baby now. You're like, I saw this whole thing. I feel like they're my family. I feel like they're my friend. That that kinness, that that friendship, whatever that relationship is, is that parasocial element. It speaks to that closeness that the communities have with their creators and creators have with their community. That there, there is a real relationship there. That's why there's a you know there's a word for it. And I think that was actually better than a, better than a dictionary definition because it, oh, you're it, too sweet. No, it, it it speaks to that that connection with communities. So grounding us in that, how should creators work? within social commerce in partnership with brands? Um, for me, because um, my community that I built on TikTok is so important to me and so integral to literally my career, um, I take every precaution possible. I research brands that I'm working with and I look at who have you worked with before that looks like me, that stands for my community and people that think and are like me. Um, have you historically been an ally? Are you being transparent about who you worked with in the past? Um, what does your brand stand for? Do I agree with those values? Um, that's just me. Um, I do extensive research on a brand I'm going to work with beforehand because if I lose credibility with my community, that's it for me. That's 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 everything to me is having this credibility and this trust that I've built with my community, just like you would in a regular in-person community. If all of a sudden now you're going against the interests of your community, your, your community is going to look at you and be like, hey, girl, what what is this? This is this is not what we stand for. And so in that same way, just because I'm online and I don't have to have people's eyes literally looking at me like, what are you doing? I still feel that pressure to uphold a certain level of business ethic when I'm going about creating content. Mm. So it, it, we were talking a little bit uh, before the show around 
creators are often doing a, an element of emotional labor, whether that simply be through that engagement with these kind of parasocial relationships or where they sit in the community and the, and the content they create. You mentioned allyship. Yeah. Can you unpack that a little and maybe give your thoughts and advice for brands? I would love to. Um, I think that for me, um, when I'm thinking about a brand, for example, during Pride Month and every brand loves to put their rainbow flag up and be like, hey, guys, we love you. Um, but then, um, especially in like political climate, when it gets a little testy, you um, you see certain brands kind of retract from their allyship. And inherently within allyship is discomfort. If you are an ally, you should be uncomfortable because you're putting yourself in front of the people you're allying with and saying, I protect you. To protect a community is inherently uncomfortable and it's a big burden. But imagine the discomfort of being in that community and feeling like your rights are being stripped away and that you are in danger. And so being a queer person is inherently uncomfortable. Um, and so for an ally to be uncomfortable, hey, then you are an ally if you feel uncomfortable and if you're standing up for us because you feel the same discomfort that we do. And that is true allyship. And so for a brand, I think it's really important to know if you say, I stand with your community, um, to know that you are going to go the lengths to prove that allyship despite discomfort and to stand for the communities that you say you back. Um, I think that that level of conviction that you have to proving your brand to be a true ally is really important and really important to also the credibility of your brand online, especially with Gen Z, especially with younger generations who see past the pseudo wokeness and the pseudo like allyship. It is so, so important because on an app like TikTok that runs and generates on authenticity, it is in, it, there's nowhere to hide phoniness or fakeness, especially when it comes to political causes and social issues. So it's an extraordinary it's an extraordinary app in the sense that the connections are so real, almost visceral, again, going back to that parasocial idea, but the, the ability to connect with communities and create communities. And I'm interested in kind of linking that with commerce, right? Because this feels very unique and creators are really taking control of that commerce channel. It's very much part of who they are, the community connections they have in their identity. Sandy, can you unpack that and talk about how you enable that. Yeah, I think what Hina was saying in terms of the communities really trust creators and they want to be around authenticity is so true with everything that we're seeing. We've done studies that show that people who are looking to buy product, when creators are talking about them, 71% look at the authenticity of the creator and then they're more likely to buy it because of so it's something that a creator talked about and recommended because they inherently trust in the creators. I think that's something that's very special about TikTok as a platform. And that's really where you see the communities coming together. We've, we've run a lot of different campaigns for TikTok shop. And what we're seeing is brands that are leveraging our affiliate platform, which gives any creators of any size um, that qualify have a certain minimum. It gives them the ability to showcase products that they love. And what we've seen is a ton of success with niche creators that are talking to their communities about a product that they might not have had the privilege of of doing had it been a big brand deal or something that they couldn't because a brand might have overlooked them because they're not looking for, I think, you know, you said it perfectly for that allyship. But through an, a, a platform like TikTok Shop and really being able to leverage all different sizes of creators, you're giving every creator the opportunity to then earn platform on, you know, earn money on the platform and leverage their communities. And you might find like, as a brand, a surprise as a different type of community that really is resonating and loves your products. And then there's a great new opportunity 
to build that allyship, as Hina said, between the creator and the brand where you can take it on to another level. So let's ask a, let's ask the big question there, the, um, or the big platform question rather there. I think you're talking to some of those differences, but how do you line up there against Meta, Amazon, some of the other, the other platforms? I mean, what we're building at TikTok Shop is really, I'd say we're looking at three different audiences or customers. We're talking to merchants because we want them to be able to sell products on the platform and be successful as a retail channel for them. We want to empower creators. We hear from, you know, there's a lot of research around Gen Z that a lot of them want to be entrepreneurs. They want to run their own businesses. And so through our affiliate platform, we're really hoping to enable the next round of creators, if you will, that can earn a living on TikTok as a platform. And then obviously we want to create a phenomenal shopping experience so that people who come to TikTok every single day can discover new product and then purchase it all seamlessly within the app. And so we really want to land all three of those at the same time, a great experience for merchants, a great experience for creators where they have a new way to earn a living. And then obviously from a consumer perspective, I'm finding great products that they love. I can see it within a TikTok video and I can immediately check out and buy it. There's certainly a there's an exchange of value going on here as well, right? Which is uh, the the creator endorsing a product, um, not only create, uh, putting shops within their community, but also things like checkouts, you know, the, the, the pulling creator content into checkouts. I want to come back to how do we support creators? How are you supporting them in that journey? And, and what kind of investment is, is TikTok making it? I mean, the first thing is, Creators are now able to earn commission based off of everything that they're selling through TikTok shop, which is something we haven't done before uh, within the U.S. So that's another opportunity, again, for creators who are not getting those big brand deals and aren't as, as fortunate as Hina to have brands that are really, you know, looking to partner with them. And then it, it, so it expands the creators now that we can work with on the platform. I talk about education all of the time. It's really hard to make content on TikTok. It is, it is a full-time job. For anybody that wants to try to be a creator. It is literally my full-time job. It is. It is. It takes so much effort. I make lots of bad ones. I've been fortunate that I've had a couple that have done well, but it is very, very difficult. And so teaching now a new type of content, right? You're not just making your, your content that's, you know, with content that you're familiar with. How do you tweak it slightly so that you are trying to sell a product without disengaging your community at the same time, right? How are you doing that? I'll go back to the most overused word, authenticity, which is how do you make sure that you're engaging? So if you're working with a company like, like Hina has with a Kate Spade, she can wear the, the different outfits, but how do you make sure that they know that they can buy without telling them to go buy it, mm-hmm. right? And that subtlety is going to be something that's really important uh, for us to continue to educate all the creators around how they can go about and do that. So let's talk about creating that content. You've obviously had you know, some amazing partnerships with Kate Spade, Rent Runway, as well as many others. How do you go about building that content? How do you go about building that connection? Well, I always, um, I, I don't work with every brand that reaches out to me. I really look at like what the brief says and how much freedom they're giving me to express myself. Here's the word, authentic- authentically, um, because... For me as a creator, um, I think that what I like to think about brand collaborations as is like literally collaboration, like my brand as because I mean, whether we all know it or not, like a creators are brands in and of themselves. That's why you're trying to affiliate your brand with their brand because they are in some way aligned. And so 
if I'm lending you my brand, then I don't want to speak in your voice. I want to speak in my voice, but speak about your product in my voice. And so I think that when it comes to brand collaboration, I think just being mindful of, you know, the creator as much as the brand is putting there, you're putting your face out there, you're putting your credibility on the line, you're putting the trust of your community on the line. So it, it has to live on my page and people are going to see it for it. The internet's forever. So um, for me, I think how aligned is the creative vision of whatever brand that wants to work with me is and also how how loose are they about how I express myself and of course like obviously brands are going to have their certain like legal things and there's things to dance around but I think for the most part um, having a lot of creative freedom allows creators to do what they do best and that's to create and nobody knows a community better than the creator of you know who's um, within that community so yeah I just I just want to add to that quickly I think what you said is really important is that the brand is affiliated in themselves with the creator as much as the creator is affiliating themselves with the brand. Right. Because in some of those niche communities, the, the creator actually has more value than the brand does. And so the creator is bringing the value to that community for 100%. the brand. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, it's a really important point because the, the creator is, it's not only their livelihood, it's their community, but also their I don't think this is too far to say they're art. There's this, yeah, it's an element of that. I think it's a creative job. Yeah, yeah. So, to, to the message for brands is is respect that, understand that, and right. and give creators the freedom to do what they do so well. Yeah, trust. Thank you. It's trust. 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 Yeah. trust. We keep coming going back to back to trust. I always like to use the analogy of like um, doing a brand partnership in the beginning feels like dating. Like you get yes. on a briefing call and you're like, okay, this is our first date. Let's see if we get along. And then if we don't get along, it's like, uh, I don't really know if I want to go on a second date. The second date would be like me putting you like hard launching our relationship on social media and me being like, look at our collaboration. Do you guys like it? Um, so I think it's just getting to that point in the relationship, which is a really big piece of any collaboration with a brand is the relationship aspect. Because again, that trust is so important and kind of just talking to the brand for an extended amount of time being like, hey you know, what's your idea? Here's mine. And having that is important as well. So Sandy, coming to that, we uh, together were actually one of the first agencies to uh, build TikTok shops over in the UK. And I think some of, some of what he has helped us with there came through into, into those collaborations and, and journeys. But can you explain what TikTok shops mean for brands and how to do it well? I think the first part with anything on TikTok is content. So the first feedback or the first piece of advice that we have for brands that are setting up a TikTok shop is you need to have content. So unlike other commerce platforms, people aren't going to TikTok and searching for a specific product. TikTok is a discovery platform. And so in order to be discovered, you have to make content. And so that's our, our number one piece of feedback to all brands is make content, talk about the products that you're putting up there. Um, the second thing is understand what type of products uh, resonate most with the TikTok audience. So we say all the time that if you search your brand on TikTok, you'll see a ton of videos where people are talking about your brand, even though you don't know that they're talking about your brand. See how the community is talking about your brand. See which products of yours they're talking about and start with those. It's giving you a head start because you already know what's resonating with the audience. And by the way, you're probably going to uncover different communities and different creators that you can partner with right off the bat. And then the third thing is work with creators. Use them to help extend the reach of everything that you're doing. You know, in terms of content, I think one of the biggest hurdles for brands is they get stuck on what type of content do I make? How much content do I make? 
creators are the experts in that. And so leveraging creators to help with your content, but also to reach into all the different communities that you don't know that your products are really resonating with is another another big area that we ask brands to really lean into. Helpful and clear advice. Thank you. So what are the plans for TikTok commerce that are coming up? We're good. So in the US, we're in our testing phase right now. We have been since November. We just launched in the UK a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're testing our shop tab, which has been live in Indonesia for a while. And so we're looking forward to seeing how different iterations of shop are coming into different parts of the world. The vertical integration aspect, uh, a TikTok going to be a, a new commerce disruptor. You kind of already are, but um, a TikTok perhaps going to become the one shop for everything in the future. I think that there, you know, we think about what we're building at TikTok shop as we're reshaping the future of what commerce looks like. You're bringing that discoverability and the path to purchase seamlessly all within one experience. So how many times, I know we're not, for people who are listening, you can't see this, but how many of you have taken a screenshot of something you've seen on TikTok? And then how many of you gone back and purchased it later? There's some, there's some hands going up in the audience. Some, some hands. And so what happens is a lot of times you take a screenshot and then you, you don't remember to go back or now you have to figure out where you're going to buy it. And so we believe that we're going to change what commerce looks like because you're going to be able to discover those products, click on a link, check out all within, tech, all within TikTok, and then go back to your TikTok experience, continuing to see the great content that you love. There's no other platforms right now that, are, that are, have the discoverability that TikTok has. And so we're really excited about bringing that purchase directly into that discoverability that we already have built. So let's, let's briefly unpack discoverability, because I, yeah. I think that's a really interesting aspect of the media experience. Here. Yeah. So I'd say the first thing is, why do people come to TikTok? They're coming to TikTok to be entertained. And so I always stay on TikTok, and I think a lot of people do just in conversation, is as you're scrolling through, you don't want to leave because you're worried you're going to miss your next favorite piece of content. Now, imagine you're turning that into finding products. So as you're, as you're scrolling through your TikTok feed, you're going to find great products that you love. And now maybe you don't want to stop scrolling because you might find the next great product that you didn't know that you needed to have. You know, I'm going to come back to you because there's this like concept that we talk about sometimes like core on, on TikTok. Um, yeah. So I wonder if, well, firstly, like, do you mind explaining kind of like core and... Sure. Um, core, um, it's like, it's like a, a, a suffix. <laughs> um, so it's like just any, um, it's like usually describing something very niche. Mm -hmm. So like, um, well, the one I really love is cottage core because I'm a gay person. So obviously cottage core... Um, is like people who like bake bread and like love the smell of fresh pastries in the woods and they wear yellow dresses and frolic in the meadows. That's cottage core. Um, you can see the whole vision, right? When I'm explaining what the core is. Um, so a core is really a vision. It's a whole vibe um, that sounds very Gen Z of me to describe in a definition that it's a vibe. But I mean, that's really all I can say about it. But is core like manufacturing culture? Is this? 100%. Yeah. Actually, I talk about this all the time. Um, there's actually something called core core. What, I don't know if you guys have heard about core core, but it's very, it's very, it's turning into something like a whole multiverse type thing. But um, it's like, it's so uncore that it's become a core. It's kind of ironic. The kids are really loving it. But it is definitely manufacturing culture in the sense that you know, I think online, especially, um, I think TikTok really blew up in the in the midst of the pandemic, right? Not to bring up the P word, but what 
people were searching for and what people were seeking was community. And now it's obviously we're out in the open and we are in the wild finding our community. But to find a more niche community, now we have core. So you can find a very targeted culture, subculture within a culture, even um, using these core hashtags that you see on TikTok, um, whether that be mom core or, you know, cottage core or whatever core you're looking for. It's out there. If you just probably type in any of your interests with core, you'll, you'll probably find it. Podcast core. Pod- That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love this conversation because I think it pulls together. We talk about meaningful media here at Habas. We try and understand the media that matters. We also talk about media experience, what makes a good media experience, how that how they're created and, and why they matter. And this is why I'm so fascinated by what TikTok are doing and what TikTok are doing on commerce, because it's connecting something that we see as this uh, very targeted, uh, very uh, brilliant algorithmic connections, seamless checkout with a place where culture is happening. Culture is being created. One hundred percent. I think TikTok is, and I've said this before, is the pioneer of pop culture yeah. uh, in in the modern age for sure. Because also the way TikTok works, if if you're offline for two weeks, you're off some train. Like you've missed something. We like to finish with the meaningful media fast five. All right. I hope you're both. We got them scared. Okay. Uh, it's gonna, this is going to be interesting. You can't say TikTok for every single one. Dang it. Uh, yeah, that's the, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Maybe two or three? I just uh, Two. We'll, we'll work it out. Sandy, can I come to you first, please? Are you ready? Ready. What were you listening to, reading, or watching on your way to Cannes? I just finished watching The Night Agent on Netflix. Check it out. Um, add, add tier or, or no, obviously, because you were presumably flying, so. I download. Ah, okay. There we go. Here it's. What's the media you start your day with? I read newsletters. Uh, any particular recommendations? I start with The Brew, The Morning Brew. Morning Brew. It's my, my personal favorite. They're doing some interesting, thing on t- interesting things on TikTok. They do well. good TikTok. What media do you turn to when it, you're looking skins? TikTok. That's one. Everyone count. <laughs> What's your media guilty pleasure? I've seen every single episode and season of Survivor. She's not alone in that. Um, I, I, I believe you're a particular fan. I am a super fan. You can have one media platform for the rest of your life. That's it. Well, I'm going to go with TikTok again, especially if it has shopping on it. And if it wasn't TikTok because you've had TikTok? TV. Oh, linear or? Uh... So I don't have cable. Interesting. Uh, I'm all all streaming apps. Streaming. Okay. D- uh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Hini, you ready? You're going to bring us home. Okay. I'm so nervous. Go. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. What were you listening to, reading, watching on the way to camp? Um, I was listening to K-pop um, and I was reading. Um, I wasn't reading. I w- I'll be honest. I wasn't See, reading. I didn't even try to go with a book. Yeah. Well, I am usually reading something, but I wasn't reading anything. Um, what was I watching? Um, Black Mirror season six. It's juicy. It's traumatizing. We love it. Season six. Recommendation. What's the media you start your day with? Um, Sudoku, but after that, TikTok. Oh my God, that's not my TikTok answer. I didn't mean it. I'll take it back. Okay, well, no, we'll give you that one. You can, you can have to get in. <laughs> what media do you turn to when you're looking to get inspired? TikTok. TikTok. Of course it's TikTok. Um, do you want another answer just in case? Huh? Yeah, you can have to. Okay, um, I'll give another one just to be crazy. Um, Spotify. Spotify. What's your media guilty pleasure? 
Um, I well, nothing is guilty if it brings me pleasure. Um, yeah, right. Why on? Yeah, normalized just being pleasured. Um, this is turning into something else. Um, okay, it's so, giving pleasure, and it is giving. Um, my guilty pleasure is, oh my god, I love, I love dating shows. Um, Love Island. Oh my god, I could watch that every single day, every single morning. I just, I could, I could die watching it. Like I just love it so much. I love people fighting. I love straight culture and observing it from an outside perspective and being like, God, they're just as crazy as we are. It feels so good. Thank you. Okay, so you you can have one media platform for the rest of your life, which is it and why? Um, can I not say TikTok because I need it for work, uh, my job, for my livelihood? It is what you do. <laughs> no, not only for that. Um, I not only would I choose TikTok because I am a TikTok creator for a living, but I'd also choose TikTok because I just love TikTok. Thank you so much. <laughs> so don't need to say anything. Uh, uh, there you go. Well, like at- so um. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, check out Hina. They are at Hina. Yes. And just my name. Yes, just your name. And, yeah, and <laughs> check out Sandy. What, where are you? What's your handle? That's a good question. At Sandhawk22. Check them out. Um, there you go. And do, uh, do connect with us on LinkedIn. Uh, let us know what you'd like to hear more or less of. And thank you for joining us live here at the cafe. Thank you for having me.